Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I hope that you're having a great day so far, and thank you, as always, for joining me. I am very excited about today's topic. I think that we'll just dive right into it because we have quite a lot of content to kind of get through. And I've been thinking about this topic for quite some time now, and I've been wanting to approach it for quite some time now, but I would say only just recently have I had like the, the framework to have this conversation, and we'll get into that a little bit more as it unfolds, but I would definitely say that it's been a long time coming through my own personal reflections and self-experimentation. And I've found this exploration to be so validating, empowering, and honestly exciting. So I hope that you feel the same. And before we get into it, I'll say I do talk about the menstrual cycle in this episode, but this isn't exclusive to people who menstruate by any means. It's just helped me personally to have a structured way of thinking about my cycles or seasons as we'll call them later on. But it's only one lens through which we can look at this and I'll provide another lens as well. So this conversation comes from a place of For a long time, I've basically felt that the expectation to be at a consistent level of creativity and productivity and willingness to socialize every single day isn't compatible with how I operate. And again, like I said, I've never really had the framework to validate why I felt that way or a solid understanding, I guess I'll say, of why I felt as though I wasn't compatible with that consistent level of output and that consistent level of energy and all of these things that are kind of, it feels as though it's necessary to have that consistent output to really thrive with some of the systems that we operate within. And since I've become self-employed, and in fact, even when I was working for an online startup, I would say I've been able to more freely explore my own personal creative and productivity cycles. And what I've found is that they've looked quite different from a standard work day or even work week. I find, as we'll talk about in this episode, that my creativity, inspiration, productivity, motivation, and energy is more cyclical in nature than something I can force into the structure of 
an eight-hour workday, for example. I've found that the way that I work and operate and ultimately thrive looks quite different from what's been programmed into me as the right way of doing things. So in other words, to be able to operate on a 24-hour cycle where I have the capacity to produce the same output and operate at the same productivity and energy levels every day. And the less that I felt I was able to thrive within this system, the more kind of isolated and alone I felt and my response initially was to just try to force myself to make it work. So even though I am self-employed and could realistically create a schedule that is completely reflective of my own cycles, for a period I kept following the rhythm that I had followed when I worked a nine to five and whenever I would have days where I wasn't working within that structure, I would feel a lot of guilt or shame. So if, for example, I felt like I wanted to have a little bit more flexibility in my day, I would often find that that would be accompanied by a feeling of guilt or shame. So even when I removed someone telling me, you know, these are the hours that you have to work, I still had that kind of embedded into my psyche and the narrative that I had that was associated with straying from that was very much more in the realm of there was something wrong with me for even wanting to explore something new. And oftentimes there would be no reason for this guilt or shame. I would have gotten everything done that I needed to do, but the prospect that I could build in time for rest and leisure and even doing nothing at times felt, I would say, almost greedy and it just felt like there was something wrong with that. And when I talk about, you know, creating a schedule that was more reflective of my own cycles, it's also important to know that I didn't even know what those cycles were because I was so used to adhering to the cycles of what someone else had deemed was appropriate for a work day or a school day or whatever it may be. And so the notion that building things like rest and leisure and play and doing nothing into my day could actually enhance my working hour productivity was also something I couldn't even wrap my head around. And this episode isn't going to be about enhancing productivity because truthfully, I think there's enough out there that talks about how to enhance that and I don't feel it necessary to add to that. But at the same time, what was important for me was not to fall into the trap of thinking that if I decided to approach my life slightly differently, perhaps more in line with my cycles and maybe at a different pace, that it would come at the expense of my productivity or success. Because in my own personal experience, I've found the opposite to be true. The more I've learned to respect and honor my cycles rather than pushing myself to the brink of exhaustion in the effort to maintain a consistent level of output, I have felt, not just mentally and emotionally, but in a tangible way, more success. And although I've applied this idea so far to the realm of work and career, we will get into how it can translate to other areas like reality creation, and even relationships. As I mentioned earlier, initially I didn't really have an appreciation or understanding of why I was feeling disconnected from approaching life with the expectation of consistent productivity, energy, and output. And so although intuitively I was feeling like that wasn't what was going to set me up for success, 
I still did feel a degree of isolation and feeling a little bit inadequate within myself for even feeling this way. But there are a few ways I started to think about the experience that I was having and sort of the longing for a more cyclical approach to not just work, but also other areas of my life that helped me to validate the longing I was feeling a little bit more. And the first was thinking about the four seasons and You know, I live and grew up in Canada, so there are definitely four very distinct seasons that you can visibly see and feel the changes for each. And being used to this type of annual cycle, you become accustomed to just knowing that a season is temporary, there's a new one around the corner, and so when you're in a period like winter, when it gets dark super early, it's cold, a lot of the plants look dead... And on a personal level, when maybe your mood and energy start to decline, that like clockwork spring will come and things will start to bloom and get brighter again. And on some level, I can also appreciate that every season is just as important as the next, even when it doesn't look or feel like anything is happening. And what I'm trying to say here is that In this way, we've come to trust that cycle. It's reliable, it's natural, and we know what is coming next. And using this logic, I began to think of my own cycles and ask if I have the same trust and understanding for my own personal cycles and the cycles that I find myself fluctuating between. So do I value my winters? In other words, the periods of lower energy, lower output, solitude, and introspection, for example, as much as I value my springs or summers. So in other words, the periods of high energy, high output, and productivity. Unfortunately for me, the answer is often no, but I am learning, as we'll discuss in this episode. And I would also take it a step further and say that I can be incredibly hard on myself, when I'm in what feels like a winter. I seem to forget that it's not permanent and seem to apply almost like a moral judgment to the experience of being low energy or at lower levels of creativity. It feels like nothing is happening and then somehow I project that feeling of discouragement into my future, thinking, for example, that it will always be this way and I won't be able to get out of the state I find myself in. And no matter how many times I would go through this cycle, I would always seem to notice the same types of thoughts and behaviors when I felt myself approaching or in a winter. And I'll be honest, even since I've made it more of a priority to honor my cycles and my seasons, actually seeing the value in my winters still feels like a bit of a stretch. So for where I'm at right now, what I've moved towards is just neutrality. If I'm already low energy, I don't need to give away more energy to ruminating, overthinking, and trying to get myself out of that season or out of that space. It can be just a simple recognition and appreciation for my body's cues and trusting its intelligence and that it's supporting my optimal function even if optimal function for me looks different to what it looks like for someone else. I do appreciate though that even being able to think about accommodating our body's cues in this way doesn't always fit in with the systems that we 
have right now that we operate within. And I almost would say that it feels like we've been taught to not trust our bodies and to go against the cues that we're hearing because it doesn't fit into, again, the requirement to be consistently productive, to have moments where we're honoring that our body is telling us to slow down. And it just seems like many of the systems within our society don't really lend, unfortunately, to this experience of honoring our cycles. But I think as a first step, we can at the very least remove some of the shame we may feel with respect to going through these cycles and these seasons of life. And for me, that's about being able to trust the cues that my body is sending me and building out whatever I'm able to, to set myself up for success. And that's going to look different person to person, depending on each of our individual situations, which brings me to my next point, which is another system that helped me to remove some of the shame I was feeling with respect to my cycles and seasons. So I shared on TikTok recently that I went through the experience of coming off hormonal excuse me, birth control and ultimately wanting to be more connected to and understanding my cycle a bit more. Now, I've been on birth control since I was around 16, so almost half of my life. And for just over five of those years... I was using a hormonal IUD, which meant that personally I didn't get a period. And I had very few period symptoms, which meant that I just had zero knowledge of what point of the cycle I was in, which worked really well for me. And I'm a big advocate of birth control and I didn't have any issues with it. It did the job and... I definitely didn't mind not having a period for that long, but it did just come to a point where I wanted to be connected to that aspect of my body and of my cycle. And so the reason I'm sharing this is because as I've gone through this journey of getting that removed, getting a period again, and learning a little bit more about the cycle, I began to reflect upon the fact that I actually knew very little about it to begin with. I remember menstrual education in school being extremely minimal and I never did any personal research beyond what was taught in school. So, you know, I didn't even know that there were four unique phases of the cycle probably until this year. I didn't know that each cycle, each phase of the cycle brought about different energy levels and emotions and physical experiences. And so, When I would feel these fluctuations, I would just have no idea why they were happening and I would feel badly about it usually because I couldn't understand why I couldn't operate at a consistent level and why I would continue to feel these fluctuations. But as I've been sort of reading different books and listening to different podcasts to fill this gap in education surrounding the menstrual cycle, something that struck me was the fact that a typical workday doesn't actually really account in any way for this cycle. And in fact, this has been directly spoken to in several of the books and podcasts that I've been listening to. Speaking to the fact that again, that 24-hour clock, 
that expectation that we're going to be consistently productive and have the same level of output and kind of have the same energy levels day to day is not very accommodating to the 28-day menstrual cycle and the different phases that we go through, as well as some of the intense pain that people go through when they're in the menstruation phase. Another thing that I began to notice was how all of this content that I was consuming was highlighting how powerful and intelligent the menstrual cycle is, and even just the fact that it has the capacity to create new life, amongst other things. That was new for me to see our cycle framed in this way, because up until that time, I would say I had inherited the messaging that it was inconvenient, dirty, shameful, embarrassing, and at the opposite side of the kind of extreme, a point of weakness in something that created a deficiency when trying to operate as a productive member of society. So for me personally, what that translated to was rather than finding ways to respect and work this incredible cycle, my objective up until now has been to ignore, suppress, and even erase it. Once I started to recognize and accept that some of the most vital components of who I am, my energy levels, my willingness to socialize, my emotions, and all of these things follow a cycle, I began to have more respect for my body and became interested in accessing its full potential by working with the cycles rather than trying to suppress them or fit them into a system that simply is not designed to accommodate them in any way. So using the two examples of both seasons and the menstrual cycle, we can kind of map out what each phase represents and consider how that might translate to our own cycles. And with a lot of the materials that I've consumed regarding cyclicality, specifically with respect to the menstrual cycle, Some people actually like to get specific, and I know friends of mine who do this, about what to eat, what to do, what type of activities to do, and how to exercise in each phase, whether that's in each season or in each menstrual phase or whichever kind of cycle you're following. That level of structure for me isn't really where I'm at right now because I find every cycle to be a bit different and the time at which I feel certain emotions or rises and falls in energy really does fluctuate. So I'd rather just have a basic understanding and some data around my own personal cycles and what they look and feel like so that I can first recognize, hey, this sort of feels like I'm in a winter and then just understand how to best support myself when I'm in that phase or when I feel it coming on. So luckily the two cycles we've discussed so far can be combined nicely because quite often menstrual phases are represented by the seasons. But again, I'm only sharing this as an example and the same type of cyclical honorance can be applied. I don't know if that's a word. Anyways, this same type of 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I guess harmony with the cyclicality of our nature can be applied even if you don't have a menstrual cycle. So I'll kind of go through each of the four seasons and map that out to each phase of the menstrual cycle and kind of explore some of the themes of each phase or each season and how we may feel these fluctuations on a personal level. And again, they may not follow this exact sequence. They may not all be equal in the length of time. It's more about recognizing that we can go through these phases, the cadence and how long each of these phases lasts, I think is very personal. We'll start with winter. And in the menstrual cycle, this is represented by the menstruation part of the cycle. And some associations with this part of the cycle is introspection, sort of the end of a cycle or beginning, depending on which way you look at it. Maybe a bit lower energy, more restful, more restorative. We may feel deeper emotions here. And if we think about winter as a season, there may be less visible growth occurring during this phase. But again, it doesn't mean that there's not anything going on beneath the surface. Then we have spring, which is represented by the follicular phase of the menstrual cycle. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And with this comes new growth, rebirth, planting seeds, new beginnings, and maybe we feel our energy levels begin to rise. We may feel more of a desire to 
pursue our creative endeavors. And then if we think about summer, which is associated with the ovulation period of the menstrual cycle, we can consider things coming into fruition, having higher energy, maybe having more availability for physical activity and socializing, kind of our peak of energy. And then finally, we have fall, which is the luteal phase. Again, hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. And then we see maybe our energy levels dropping again, cycles coming to an end, slowing back down, and maybe wanting to retreat back into our little cocoon. So like I said, I find that the timing of each of these phases doesn't always follow the same pattern and... It's not always the case that I feel low energy during my period and higher energy during the ovulation part of the cycle, but it's just a starting point for me to begin to consider my cyclical nature and trusting the rhythm of things, knowing that there's a time for planting seeds and introspection and reflection, and knowing that there's also a time that those seeds will bloom. And even if I don't see the physical proof of that, right now in this moment, it doesn't mean that nothing is happening. And again, knowing that when I'm in that low energy phase, that I don't have to add that additional layer of judgment and shame and guilt to the experience. It's allowed to just be neutral. Okay, so the last thing before I get into some of your responses from Instagram that I wanted to touch on is how this idea of cyclicality and respecting our cycles can also apply to other areas of life. And specifically, I want to talk about reality creation and also relationships. Starting with reality creation, I think this translates because sometimes I have this expectation that it has to feel like I'm gaining momentum towards my desired reality all of the time And I have to see the physical, tangible evidence of that or maybe I start to feel like there's something wrong or nothing's happening. And I find that it's in those phases where maybe I'm being called to be a little bit more introspective or intentional that I start to experience doubt and I start to question if things are really going to come into fruition. And when I find myself in this headspace, I remind myself of winter and also of planting seeds and planting a garden. There's that period during which you're planting the seeds. So in the case of reality creation, you are designing your desired reality, you're conceptualizing it, setting intentions, visualizing. But just like with a garden, there is a nurturing period where you're watering your seeds and trusting that the things going on below the surface will eventually come into fruition or in the case of reality creation coming into your reality in a physical tangible way so this period of nurturing the garden or kind of watering the garden how that translates to reality creation for me is really just embodying and playing the character of the version of myself that is living in my desired reality and continuing to notice when I feel resistance to that and seeing how I can relieve that resistance. So if I feel fear about what it is that I'm moving towards, removing some of that resistance or creating a version of my desired reality that feels more safe 
for example. And I also think that the cyclical approach applies here because something I've experienced before is this sort of exhaustion or burnout from always feeling like I need to be actively focused on creating my desired reality in order for anything to happen. So always be thinking about it, always be journaling about it, all of these things that require my active involvement and active attention. For me, where that feels like it comes from is the need to always be in control and along with that kind of an underlying lack of trust. I feel like the only way for things to gain momentum or or anything to happen in the direction of my desire is for me to be actively involved and kind of controlling the process. But it's in these moments where I remind myself of cyclicality, I remember that there is a time for effort and a time for letting go and that there is an intelligence at play. We don't actually need to go out and grow our garden. There is an intelligence that allows that to happen naturally. And I'm still learning to find that balance, but the last kind of thing that I want to share is that I also want to be enjoying life in the in-between. I want to have fun in the in-between. In other words, the time in between becoming aware of a desire and that desire actualizing itself into my reality, I don't want to feel doubtful and anxious while I wait. In the same way that if you were planting a garden, you don't want to be obsessing about the garden all the time. You want to be able to actually go out and enjoy your life and attend to the garden in the way that you need to while still being able to have fun and have a pleasant experience. So leaning into the cyclical nature of things and allowing myself to be in the winters or falls has helped tremendously with respect to reality creation. And then the other area that I mentioned that I wanted to explore a little bit and that I've learned to honor my cycles in is relationships. Now for a long time, I bought into this idea that specifically in romantic partnerships, and this could probably be its own episode, but I bought into this idea that if you weren't in a constant state of desire, lust, and connection, that there was something wrong. I would find that just like other areas of my life, my relationship would go through its seasons, and it began to appear more and more cyclical and predictable as time went on, but for a period, I thought that there was something wrong with me or the relationship. So for example, when I needed periods of introspection or I wanted to be alone or to reflect or if I would go through a period where my libido wasn't as high or I didn't crave physical touch altogether as much as other periods of time and I would feel these fluctuations and kind of in the times that I would be more introspective Like I said at the beginning of the episode, I would project that state into the future and couldn't see myself feeling reopened to being more connected. But then, like clockwork, I would feel myself blooming and being more open to connection again. And this would happen until I learned to give essentially the introspective, more quiet, withdrawn periods less meaning. And... Although we've talked a lot about learning to value or feel empowered in the cycle, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to love every phase. Because for me personally, 
sometimes winters are really hard to get through, both personal winters as well as the actual season. And sometimes when you've been seeped in that high energy of summer, the approaching of fall can feel honestly a little depressing. So what I've learned is to at the very least become neutral about my winters or falls. I do feel that on a personal level, I've been programmed to see them as a weakness or a deficiency, so I accept that it may be hard to immediately reframe that and see value in it, but I appreciate that perhaps I can get there eventually, and for now, neutrality and just having respect and understanding of my cycles is what works for me. So I shared this prompt on Instagram and I wanted to share some of your answers. I'll just share a few. So someone said, colonialism and patriarchy led to a society built for men and not women's natural cycles. Another person said, sometimes I feel like I have to go out, parties, etc. so I don't miss my young years slash friends. Yeah, interestingly, pressure to be at a consistent level of social output also came up a lot, and that's not really something that I discussed fully in this episode, but it's definitely a a key here in this conversation is what is the focus of our energy in each of these cycles, and some of them, it's very outward towards productivity and socialization and connection and intimacy, and in others, it's okay that maybe we don't have that same focus, and I've definitely felt that that challenge as well, that struggle. Another person said, braiding sweetgrass talks about trees having mast fruiting ears that completely changed my outlook. Basically, trees save up energy for years before producing a lot of fruit slash nuts, and I do that too. Interesting, this this book, Braiding Sweetgrass, has come up a lot in different circles that I've been in, so it seems like something that I definitely have to read. Another person said, how the seasons influence productivity slash growth how that experience doesn't always tally with our desires. It's so true because I feel like sometimes we really want to be able to operate at the same level, you know, basically 24-7, 365, and how it can feel kind of isolating initially to begin to withdraw a little bit from that pressure. And we want to be able to participate in the fullest extent possible, but participating to the fullest extent that we can doesn't necessarily mean that's what's best for our mental well-being and our physical well-being and what's going to actually set us up for success and I feel like for me personally it's a hard way to look at things because it seems to sort of deviate from the typical narrative about what it means to be a successful person but I definitely think that if you're looking in the right places there will be people and there will be resources that you can find that talk about this and yeah I think I will leave it at that for today I will be sure to share any resources that I have in the show notes that I've been reading and referencing in regard to seasonality and cyclicality and definitely feel free to send me a dm if you have any resources as well that have helped support you in this journey so Thank you so much for listening. I feel like I'm only really beginning to scratch the surface with this conversation, but hopefully you found something helpful within this episode. 
Thank you so much as always for being here. I can't remember if I already said that, but if I already said it, I'll say it again. And yeah, I will see you in next week's episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.